0: Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, February twenty fifth. I'm Charlie thank here with Ted Chilowitz for this week in XR, sponsored by Verbella. Our guest this morning is Dan O'Brien, General Manager of HTC North America. Let's get right to the news, Ted. We just got a look at the PlayStation VR two. Yeah, sexy, right? And 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 certainly evolved.
1: Um, the lineage very much looks like an evolution of the product. It still has that same head de- headset design with the kind of ring. Hanging thing and the, the the now you can see the trackers uh, on it and the the new advanced controllers which was obviously a big downside of the first uh, yeah. uh, uh, PlayStation VR is they have to have real controllers now, but Charlie still still tethered and no announcement of any sort of accessory to make it not tethered which I still have a belief will be coming.
0: Yeah, uh, I hope so because it, it's it's a real drawback and you give up, even though you give up a lot of performance by untethering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think it's worth it. It makes the headset portable. Um, you know, yeah. it's there. The people, PlayStation people want to do the the thing together. Right. You know, there's a big social aspect to it. So I think they're going to have to figure that part out. But the specs are just delicious.
1: Yeah, 2K you know, per eye.
0: audio, 4K uh, resolution, mm-hmm. um, you know, very high frame rate. So it looks like it's going to be a winner for them. And let's, you know, even though, uh, I think they've fallen a little behind Oculus, uh, not that far behind. And they still have this giant installed base of right. 150,000 PlayStations out there uh, that you could 150 do- million. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> 150 million, which is a lot, right? That's almost half the country.
1: It's massive, yeah. And, and PlayStation 5s, they still can't catch up on demand. Right. are right. still back ordered still hard to get a PlayStation 5. And you know that there's, you know, depending on the price point of this thing, which will likely be fairly modest because that's kind of what they're 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 yeah, targeting. They,
0: well, they didn't say what the streak date is or what the price is. Right. Analysts speculate it'll be $399 to $499. They yeah. want to keep it under that kind of critical five hundred dollar threshold and try and make it competitive at least with uh, the quest. I don't think they're gonna go to the extent that meta has in underwriting it but
1: yeah it'll be it'll be actually interesting to see you know as we as our job is to speculate a little bit about this uh on these on these friday mornings our time
0: just a little speculation on our part
1: is do they actually go you know look the the specs especially the visual specs at 2k per eye means a very sophisticated device now sony does make that gear right They, they make the oleds that uh actually go into these headsets so they can subsidize it but you know open question is will it be a 599 device and simply because they probably still can't keep up with demand so yeah um, i don't know is it dependent
0: on the playstation 5 or can they do any i my impression was it would work on any of the legacy playstation 4s
1: but will it drive at that resolution
0: about that yesterday
1: yeah, and, and I don't think that we haven't had an answer on will it drive at 2K per eye resolution on a PlayStation 4, or is it requiring a PlayStation
0: 5, which I don't know the answer to that either. Yeah, they, they, so they left out some stuff, but very exciting, nice to see. Uh, another company doubling down on the consumer VR space. Absolutely. But it's a little scary out there. If you read any of the tech news, which every day throws another shovel full of dirt uh, onto the company, formerly known as Facebook, mm. because I think that, you know, the meta, you know, the trowel, the Gartner trowel of disillusion, you know, goes from, <laughs> you know, technology trigger to wild overinflated enthusiasm and then comes the Trow of disillusion before a product is really commercial where where it will the idea will languish until it starts to be a real product right and then it crawls its way back to relevance but uh, the fall of the the metaverse idea uh you know has been kind of astounding maybe just because of the scale of its heat
1: yeah and i think you know we were both concerned with how quickly they were trying to ramp into something that is largely undefined and, well, let's call it, it's predefined by the internet. We know that the pieces and parts of the internet are messy and they have lots of tentacles, right? Um, And for one company, even with the wherewithal of now Meta, $10 billion a year. The the artist formerly known as Facebook, as we would say, (laughs) um, starts to, Take a real stance at it and commit huge dollars into making it. There's an interesting, very you know, moment of excitement, and then a real concern about how are you going to actually tackle that. Right. And now we're sort of seeing that. But what they showed, you know, over the last day or so now with their new procedural worlds, oh, voice I, well, thing, one
0: thing I will I will say about them is we're never short of things to talk about every week. This is true. As every corner of their XR business has press releases coming at you. Uh, like a speeding bullet. And this week we had uh, a very, very interesting AI announcement and uh, some test video of people in one of their maker rooms uh, constructing a world with verbal commands. Right. So, you know, they were <laughs> uh builder bot, I'd like a beach scene, boom, there's a beach scene. Builder bot, I need a chair, boom, there's a chair. So uh, it would make building a lot more accessible and sort of a game in itself, which could be very, very powerful for user-generated content.
1: Yeah. For those that haven't seen the the demos, just go search for it and and watch it. It's in in my column. uh, It's in the column today, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's intriguing. Sorry? It's intriguing, and and I think it's a valuable sort of step forward um, within the social fabric of this stuff, right? You and I could literally sit together in VR and build a fun little place to hang out for a half hour or or a day or or a month or a year, uh, you know, popping in and out of it and keep procedurally building on it, which is, it's, I think it's fascinating. You know, I think, think it's, a good, it's a good step forward.
0: No, I think, the, I mean, they're, they are laser focused on user generated content. Mm-hmm. They know if Horizon is going to catch up to VRChat and other uh, platforms like Rec Room who have a five-year lead, they have really got to nail user generated content and quickly so that there is more of a there there. Yeah. but you know, they are throwing money at it and everything else in XR at a pace. Never seen
1: before. Never seen before. Right. So, so and speaking of our friends at VR chat, the, the darker side of VR chat is topical today,
0: right? Oh yeah. The, I mean the BBC article, which honestly I had a few problems with Yeah, uh, came out on Monday and sort of like, meh, another story about people being groped in VR, right? No big deal. Uh, was how I read it and it ignited a furor. I was completely wrong mm. about how that story was going to land. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it actually provoked a lot of response from the VR chat community explaining their so-called adult zone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, uh, probably a tempest in a teapot, but I think it shows, you know, the potential for young people to uh, face not just adult content, but Adult misinformation, con men, pedophiles, right? I mean, this falls into that I mean, it's sort of like being groped by an avatar. okay, I mean I bother some people, but it really is not uh, the same as a, the real world. None, nonetheless, it shows what could be there, right yeah. What if it wasn't adult content? What if it was violence right so right. and yeah, you get you get into this philosophical
1: sort of discussion around as we start to make virtual reality parts of our lives in more and more critical and important ways and we start accepting just like you and i on this video chat start to accept that this is the real world right Uh, and this has become a worldwide phenomenon if you do things that are completely inappropriate inside a, a virtual environment should it have the same consequences as doing that in a physical environment and it's an interesting Still, yeah, again, philosophical. Thing, you know, discussion. there
0: there are so many little kids running around in VR right now. Yep. Yep. Right. I mean, they. If you go into Horizon, yeah. oh, Rec Room, right? Rec Room is a I've perfect example. Of that. In Horizon, either work for Facebook, are world builders in other contexts, yep. or Their kids. Right. 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 Uh, right. And uh, and I constantly have them commenting on my avatar. What's an old guy doing in here? <laughs> So, I, you know, I think that that it needs to be addressed because, you know, for the well-being of the kids who are perpetrating this. I mean, they don't yeah. know what to do in yeah. VR and they act out because they think there are no consequences and, and there should be consequences. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But I, I think a lot of it is being done by kids who need to learn how to behave, not just in VR, but in the real world. Yeah. And we saw the
1: the historical evolution of this with, with chat rooms, right? And uh, appropriate and inappropriate behavior in tra- chat rooms. If you're chatting something that shouldn't be in this room, you either need to go into another room or go away. This doesn't belong here. The challenge with VR right now is it's still very much this open sandbox. When if you go into rec room, you can pop into anything quickly and pop out of anything quickly without any sort of gating or restrictions or, or you know, moving through the 18 or older zone. Although VR chat, I would say is doing an okay job of actually defining this is for adults only, uh, things that will, that will be it's an enter at your, your own audience. risk
0: yeah. sort of thing, and it's right. labeled, And it's it's apparently labeled. Um, I actually haven't come across the content, but I guess it's not hard to find if you search for it, yeah, yeah. Um, and they label it very clearly as adult content, nonetheless. You know, you know, you were a kid like me in the '70s trying to sneak. Yeah, you want to explore, right? Right. So, and and you know, adult sites. I mean, you know, when my kids saw adult sites, they were definitely minors, and they were just, "Are you over 18?" Hell yeah, I'm over 18.
1: (laughs) No different than trying to sneak into an R-rated movie when we were 13, right? I mean, it's all the whole the same idea. I do
0: think there are issues around uh, kids, pre-adolescence in particular. Uh, on the platform. And and moderation is going to be a big deal, not just of those people, but of those spaces to make sure they stay within certain limits. If they are adult, what kind of adult? Absolutely. So I see Dan has uh, popped in. Oh, good. Uh, He's on. Good. One last story we were going to talk about. I'll hit it quickly. Omega Mart in Vegas has passed a million visitors Mm -hmm. just one year after its commercial opening. Kind of incredible, actually. Yeah, I'm a big fan of all things Meow
1: Wolf. I was one of the early, early visitors of their Santa Fe location years ago, and that continues to be successful. And look, even through the pandemic, right? That's the part Uh, that surprised me. Yeah, that people still have a yearning for this, and they manage to keep it safe, and they manage to keep people, you know, separated. And and but they still have a a, a really strong count Also shows the power of Vegas, right? The 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 yeah. the the epicenter of go do stuff. Yep. Um,
0: is it lives in Vegas, and and this is a successful output of that. It's yeah, great. I, if you, if you haven't seen it, I highly really recommend uh, anybody <laughs> who has a chance to check out anything Meow Wolf. They're opening a uh, attractions in a couple of other cities, and uh, Welcome edition and a great outlet for some amazing It's players.
1: in an area, it's in an area called Area 15, which uh, the, the malware right. thing isn't there. And there's five or six more. VR. There's five or six VR things in it that are worth doing as little separate attractions and things. Oh. It's a nice day out yeah. when you're when you're
0: ready to go to Vegas. All right. Well, I see Dan's here. Let's bring him in. Great. Dan O'Brien, general manager of HTC. Welcome to this week in XR. It's good to see you.
2: Good to see you, Charlie. Great to see you, Ted. Thanks good for to having you, Dan. me.
0: Of course, we're thrilled. So we're always talking about Oculus here, so it's great to shift gears and talk about my first love, the
2: HTC Vive. Oh, thank you. It's my first love, too. <laughs> How long <laughs> have you been with HTC? Uh, I've been here for 14 years.
0: Whoa, uh, you were there yeah. before the beginning. Pre, Yeah, that's pre-VR.
2: <laughs> yes, very much so. There was about three of us that started the VR business, and uh, yeah, it was uh, definitely, I was making smartphones for a long time before I was got into VR. Right.
0: Well, that's so, uh, I that was something I did not know about you, but that's a great story. Um, mm-hmm. You guys have been, I mean, and all along, despite the Quest Fuhrer, uh, you guys have been servicing the enterprise market with introducing new products and you have a new consumer product, uh, the Vive Flow. Congrats on that. Thank uh, you. You know, it's very comfy and light, yeah. uh, which is, you know, great uh, surprise in VR. And um, it, it looks like it may be a very big category that you're targeting there.
2: You know, it's a new category. It's a, it's a space where we're trying to just get people to understand that these can move much more towards wearables, um, putting things like diopters in it so that you don't have to have the the big eye relief, you know, movement and just a smaller, lighter headset. I think you know, just the industry in general is looking for us to move in that direction uh, from a wearables, a comfort, ergonomics. Um, you know, the, the, the tough part, I think, for Flow is that, you know, you, you also use a phone, right, as a controller um, and a tether to the, 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 uh, the headset. And we're actually working on ways where that might be able to just work with like a simple 3DOF controller as opposed to a phone. Um, just giving more flexibility to users um, to interact with content in it. But I think it really kind of, it's it's a good iterative step. I think, you know, the industry in general and the way Vive, you know, the way we operate is, you know, you look at all these friction points that, you know, we faced back in 2015 and 14 and 16 with the introduction of, you know, the Vive and even Oculus's hardware, there's a lot of friction points, right, of setup and use and PCs and tethers. And we're just, as we grow, like we continue to remove those friction points and move the industry forward. So we're really right. proud of that. Uh, we,
0: when we were uh, exchanging emails, uh, we were talking a little bit about 5G and how that's going to play into and support the development of VR and, and new devices. So I wanted to ask you about that because I really don't know a lot about that.
2: Well, you know, I think it's a lot of people, when it comes to, you know, the carrier side of the business and 5G, right? And, and all these uh, amazing speeds, you know, a lot of people didn't really go, okay, I need to download YouTube videos faster or, you know, uh, download my my these other things faster. So the carriers are really looking at it and going, hey, what, what what else can we do with 5G? Nobody knew when we brought around 4G, but by the way, I made the first 4G LTE phone um, <laughs> that it was going to produce companies like Uber and Lyft yeah. and all of these other innovations, right? Amazing. And uh, when we actually got into, um, you know, understanding what we could do with 5G, what we could do with the latency, what we could do with the speed and delivery, you know, we actually jumped all in on this. Uh, you know, having such a strong wireless background, uh, making wireless products, understanding network infrastructure and speeds and optimizations, we actually created a 5G box um, that can actually go on premise to a corporate environment or a business or a school. And we can create a 5G cloud, a mobile, you know, private 5G cloud. So say you wanted it to be Charlie Fink's, you know, 5G right. You know, uh, cloud, right? We, mm. we actually had at CES this year, we had a 12 millisecond round trip from six miles away, running content directly to a headset at 90 frames per second um, over the air. And and that was really to kind of just show companies, one, how we could be a data and service provider, right? Of being able to come on campus. Uh, We did that partnership with Lumen Technologies as well from a, a backhaul standpoint. And, um, you know, we wanted to show how the future of content delivery, because to get to these, you know, flow-like products, right, these lighter wearables, um, you know, the the Oculus sunglasses, right, or the, the Facebook sunglasses, like, if you really want to get to AR headsets that people are wearing and walking around in, or VR headsets that are these lightweight, easy ergonomic, you know, interactions, you still need to solve getting the content to these headsets, right? And so this 5G solution that we actually created, and we're the first ones to ever do this globally, um, you know, over a live, you know, live, you know, uh, uh, signal, um, we actually can deliver content over the air uh, at at frame rate that keeps people feeling good and doesn't cause those nausea effects um, to these headsets. And so that's going to allow these headsets to get lighter. It's going to get, you know, you're going to be able to take all kinds of... Right, that's Well,
0: that's what what Qualcomm has been calling dual compute.
2: Right. That, right. That when
0: you're in an environment like that, you can offload a lot of computing and use much lighter uh, devices to take advantage of mm-hmm. the ability to get content on the fly with zero latency,
2: which has yep. really yep. never been possible before. Right. 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 And, and I mean, if you think about it, we've gone from a three-in-one five-meter cable that was a custom cable to be able to (laughs) round trip that content into a headset to now a cloud delivering it Mm -hmm. like that is phenomenal innovation like people really don't understand how hard that actually is and uh you know HTC you know some people look at us and go you know why aren't they doing this 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 and this well we're actually solving a massive problem to really move that industry forward into that mass adoption. Um, You're never going to get there with tethers, right. And base stations and power this and power that, or, you know, these heavy PCs or laptops, like you need to get to these, you know, we need to get to wireless. We need to get to these lighter products um, and we need to be able to, we know what's good content. We know what's good quality, right. And so we need to be able to solve those problems at that quality level. So we're really proud of that work.
1: Yeah, it's interesting as you start to look at pop-up events and things where you can actually deploy that kind of technology and bring it into areas, like you said, schools and, and, you know, into industry areas and things where it just makes sense. We need to do this and we need to do it quick and we need to deploy this in a way that's seamless and the users don't feel like they have to do a lot of sort of setup steps, right? It's, Right. it's, It's an interesting future.
2: Well, I mean, if, you think, if you think about like Arizona State University is making huge progress, right, right. on their campus with right. doing STEM um, and biology and, and uh, classes. And I think they've gone from 500 students in, in VR classes to the going to a thousand students. Like they're they're scaling and they need scalable technology that will actually allow them to start doing that. Um, you know, we we work with major corporate and enterprise customers that data and infrastructure is their main pain point. And mm-hmm. so how do you do that? And so now you think about CDNs and content delivery and MDMs for you know, mobile device management and being able to actually, you know, say you are a major corporation or a business or a school and you just need these modules, right? These classes. And instead of students now trying to download it, offload it to the onboard memory and do all these things, you can actually just open up these classes and let the kids take them online and actually stream the content directly from the cloud. Like that's a game changer, yeah. you know, for these, you know, environments and these corporate environments to be able to deploy at scale, whether they're a bank or a, a pharmaceutical or automotive or, or yeah. you know, university. It's that just... makes
1: a lot of sense to us. We, the, you know, the idea of, of doing what we do with our typical traditional compute today and how seamless and over the air it all feels and how instantaneous it all feels seems like you have a philosophy that's moving into that for virtual reality mixed reality which I and uh, and the 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 hardware providers like Qualcomm Charlie mentioned have that vision as well and the the mobile carrier providers have that vision as well so you've got this sort of triad of right. technology groups that understand how to figure out moving from where we sit today to moving where we go tomorrow which is you know, thank God you're there to do it, to pull right. it off, Conver- right? Convergence, someone Convergence, should- right, Charlie, convergence,
2: <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, it's interesting too. We talk to people and they, you know, it's, you know, the fact that we actually know how to make re- what we call radiated devices, right? Smartphones, right? And now we know how, we actually, we could make a radiated uh, all-in-one headset very easily, but, you know, is the industry ready for a radiated headset? I'm not quite sure. Like we're looking at it from a Tether perspective where you can actually add 5G you know, um, not necessarily forcing people to use eye tracking right away or facial tracking right away, like give people to actually to open up the ecosystem and kind of choose their technology burden and what they want to take on. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're working towards that. And, and the carriers are very receptive to with enterprise customers initially with the 5G solution and the private 5G solution, because you know they see value in that. They can immediately find cost efficiencies. They can find training, you know, efficiencies. They can save money, right? This is technology that, from a burden perspective on their side, from a PL is like the costs of first class, you know, first class, you know, plane tickets, right? Yeah. And, well, they've and, also
0: they've also got a very large install base to upgrade, right? right. They don't have to uh, prospect for new business customers. They just have to to serve the new technology to their existing customers, yeah. Um, Shifting gears a little bit, how big is the enterprise, uh, how fast is the enterprise business growing?
2: Well, we see, you know, over the last two years, we've seen triple digit growth, you know, in terms of, of, uh, I can't go into actual, you know, numbers know. Or, know. or volume, but what we see from a percentage standpoint is very, very aggressive growth. Um, you know, over half of our business right now is moving over to, um, enterprise and, and professional use cases. That it's was my problem.
0: next question.
2: Yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, but we're, you know, it's just what we're seeing is, you know, the companies that can find those efficiencies, like we're seeing where they don't have to waste on materials, they can design quicker. We're seeing the collaboration that's really growing, you know, ViveSync is being adopted, um, being used other applications. That's the, your remote
0: conference, uh, platform.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's the ability for companies to be able to have internal meetings. Like we have meetings in, in ViveSync all the time. Uh, that's, Fun. Uh, we actually laugh a lot uh, when we're in those meetings because we're just, it's an engagement level that you just don't even have, right, it, with this work from home model. And I know, I know we're going to go into a much more hybrid model, but I think it's great that people have the ability and the options to, you know, attend these meetings virtually or even in a 2D format or a form, phone format, like giving people that flexibility to work across all these different platforms um is really fun you know and a lot of like these chief learning officers that work at these major major corporations whether it's a an amazon an accenture or whatever like they're looking for the new tools that are going to keep people engaged um keep people you know active uh keep training levels up high because they can't send them the training you know some of these companies they have minimum requirements of 40 plus hours a year of training right and now that you're getting more effective training, less cost, and, and uh, better outputs from it, so I think all really good stuff when it comes to that. Uh, we're seeing training kind of go, really training and education. I kind of put into the same bucket, and they just go across all the verticals, whether it's healthcare, automotive, aerospace. So is that kind of the the in
0: uh, that your uh, sales team takes when they're approaching a new client is to go in through the education group or or training? because uh, that's kind of low hanging fruit, and once you get in there with that, then they start finding applications for you
2: oh yeah now and there's I mean there's companies that really have a strong point of view you know the the automotive space had a strong point of view back in two thousand and fifteen. Uh, they told us everything that was wrong with the original buy right and and that was what we made pro right or all right let's yeah. make pro uh, this is you know that was all based on And now the you software, have pro two right came out last yeah. year yeah and pro two was actually built off of the requirements that uh, a lot of the aerospace um, and uh, larger scale um, enterprise and automotive informed us and healthcare. Um, those are the kind of the three main customer bases that actually informed the decisions that, that made pro two, um, because they really needed the, they needed the resolution jump and they needed a wider field of view. Um, so we solved those problems because we could. And then, um, but just, just in general, like, What we do see right now, uh, most of the companies are looking for a way to to increase training or have more improved training um, or upskill training where it's really difficult training. Um, And so, you know, we are seeing that across the board uh, where people want to look at, I mean, Walmart was a great example, you know, with Striver, you know, they deployed what 18,000, you know, headsets into Walmart to train, you know, employees on soft skills and some of the hard skills. You know, we see UPS, we see a lot of companies moving in that direction where they can actually train safety training, stress training, companies like Axon, you know, they're really taking on uh, how to high stress situations for safety officers and police officers and trying to actually, you know, train them at a higher frequency, you know, all these things with defund the police. The first thing that gets cut when they defund the police is training, right? And it's not hardware. It's not bullets. It's not all these other things. So now you're really starting to take away from the things that are probably supposed to give you the most experience in the field. Um, and now with VR, you know, you have this ability to do the stress training, to do the, the um, high environment training, to actually train officers to go into a much less lethal kind of fight or flight, you know, uh, motions and, and activities and have safer outcomes. Like this is all great work you know that is being done from a training perspective how,
0: how important <laughs> is the focus which is your standalone product to that strategy
2: focus three has been a great addition it's actually the adoption level on it has been phenomenal um we're very happy with the reviews um you know of course everybody tells us it's expensive uh but you know the hardware truthfully is very expensive. VR hardware, whether it's a PC VR headset, an all-in-one headset, it's all very expensive. Some companies are- so what, what is the price point? It's
0: $1,300. I'm surprised that an enterprise is concerned about saving five or six- Yeah, that's, yeah, that, I mean, for, for the market you're touching,
1: that is not expensive in any way, shape, or form. It's- it's Correct. It's I mean, not we,
2: a... Yeah, we feel the same way. Um, and <laughs> in, in, in reality, what was the old rule of thumb when it came to enterprise and professional was that Uh, or b2b was if you can make this investment and return and get the return on it within 18 months it was a good investment (laughs) Seeing companies that are getting their return within about three to six you know like it's becoming a no-brainer so what we do find though uh, just kind of looking at the different modules and looking at focus three and the hardware uh, we really wanted to solve a lot of those ergonomics you know we wanted to solve the performance level and we wanted to solve a headset that could actually be used for like 10 hours, eight hours a day. You know? So that's why we did all the things we did around gaskets and sanitation and, and uh, hygiene with it. And then the batteries, um, we're really proud of that headset. It's being adopted at a very, very healthy rate. Um, enterprises you know, that really want to bring in the best hardware that actually has what I would call a very healthy life cycle. It's gonna stay in the market for a while. Um, And they're not looking at consumer hardware that's iterating every year. It gives enterprise and B2B companies a lot of safe, you know, haven to just make a good decision on hardware that's going to last a good amount of time. And it's actually future-proofed in a lot of ways.
0: So last topic, Dan, and then we've got to wrap up. Uh, What, what is HTC's or what is your personal? Let me put it another. your personal view of metaverse mania and um, whether HTC has altered or added to its plans uh because of its emergence or do you think it's headed for a trial of disillusion all its own
2: you know i think it's uh it's in metaverse is in year 2015-16 of the hardware um a lot of people don't understand it uh why it's valuable there's some really really smart people out there especially in the gaming industry entertainment industry that really have a good point of view on it and really do understand like the value of what the metaverse really is going to be in this next version of the internet, where you are a first person, you know, interactive member of this, uh, this, you know, virtual world where you are going between worlds and you're maybe even traversing between your consumer interactions and your personal interactions and entertainment and your professional interactions and what you're doing for work and how you might pay for things, whether it's through, you know, Bitcoin and what you're buying, if it's uh, NFTs and things of that nature, Look, we're, our point of view, my point of view on all of this is it needs to be open, right? It needs to be protected. Um, I think regulators really need to get a point of view on this very quickly and understand privacy and data um, because you know what we do on the internet today with our computers, our phones, our tablets, is all tracked, right? What we're doing, it's somebody, companies monetize this, this data in a very, very effective way, which is great. It, that's very smart. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to the metaverse, and when it comes to all of these things, and what we're going to be able to track, and what we're going to be able to see is even more. It's even more personal, right? We're going to be able to see what your pupils are looking at. We're going to be able to see what you're doing, um, what you're saying, um, things of that nature. So data and privacy for us and the metaverse is paramount. Uh, we want to create a, a ver- our version of the metaverse and how we can participate with all the other players in a way where companies and consumers feel really safe interacting in our products, um, interacting in content and experiences that are in what we call the vibeverse And, um, you know, and, and that's what we want, right? We want companies to come in, brands to come in, we want uh, carriers to come in, um, and we want, uh, you know, consumers to come in there and interact and find a lot of enjoyment. But, you know, our brand, you know, looking at that triangle, it's about humanity, innovation, and technology. You know, we went into VR and technology because we wanted to bring technology that would actually bring value, right, to humans and humanity and mankind. And um, you know, that's why we focused so many areas of like health and wellness, um, healthcare and enterprise and professional. Like we want to bring valuable technology, not just another thing to go play a you know a, a shooter game with, right? we want to play in the entertainment. We want to do the consumer uh, functions and and, uh, products, but we truly want to actually bring value. and We want to protect users and their data and their rights.
0: Thank you very much, Dan. Um, Completely agree with you. Uh, Great to have you on the show. Thanks for making time for us this morning. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. We'll have you back. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Ted. All right, everybody. That's our show this week. Um, We'll see you next Friday. I will be on AWE Live at noon uh, to chat about the week's news and uh, broadcast the podcast. So uh, hopefully we'll see you there. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.